Hey, welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Luke Gerlach, and welcome to Confession number 59, where we're going to look at the ATL social skills from the lens of elementary, grades one to six. So I don't know about you, but as you enter the elementary age, there seems to be a trend that I've noticed for nearly the past two decades while in education. The older the learner, the quieter they become, especially in a traditional learning environment. And this should not be the case within a PYP classroom since learners should be posing wonderings, right? They should be collaborating with each other, gaining new ideas, researching, testing out ideas, forming conclusions, and that all takes place within a collaborative environment. So why do we see so many quiet students in the upper grades? I think back to my own learning experience, you know, I quickly learned that the bright students and the good ones were the ones that knew when to speak and when to remain silent. This was all part of um, social skill development. And I didn't quite know when it was really to speak because I was an English language learner. I was learning, you know, cultural norms at the same time. Uh, And I was afraid to speak my mind because I wasn't sure how the teacher would react to, you know, my offering um, my my ideas. And I didn't want that ramification coming to me. So how do we fix this situation? Because it still still seems to be prevalent in many classrooms. So all learners, you know, are actively engaged in refining their social skill development while demonstrating agency. So in this episode, we're kind of turning it on its head. We're going to look at um, things that um, educators can do to bring about more of the that social skill development, but we're going to take it and we're going to mix it with a um, sub skill and we're going to utilize it to help us to, here's the sub skill, here's a potential and um, what the IB recommends and then how might it look. Doing something new, this is all about innovation and creativity. So let's look at what um, the IB recommends then, um, teachers can do in order to promote social skill development. So provide explicit opportunities for students to practice and develop these skills. Provide opportunities for students to reflect on their social skills. Reflect and feedback on different interactions they observe. Offer students opportunities to see that other people with their differences can also be right. Use the language of the learner profile in conversations and discussions and in the development of essential agreements. Model the social skills. So if we zoom in to what are the actual sub-skills that the IB focuses on, there's only two. There's interpersonal relationships and social and emotional intelligence, which is huge, right? And what really pops out at me the most is interpersonal relationships um, with this age. And I'd like to focus in on this because it's a growth area for me. Um, And as I previously mentioned, I'm going to state um, what's one of the sub-skill that the IB says in order to, you know, um, develop those interpersonal relationships. Then I'm going to take one of the things that a teacher can do and apply it. 
I think you'll get it once you get once we get going. So here we go. Here's one subskill: practice empathy and care for others. So what does that mean? Empathy is one of the hardest things for children and adults to understand. It's one of the things um, that kind of gets glossed over because it's more than, you know, showing t- compassion um, or sharing, you know, lunch or, you know, um, being a recess buddy. It, it Empathy is the ability to see a situation from another's point of view. This is hard stuff. And it requires us to truly listen, observe what's happening, and then listen some more. And I love um, this quote by Daniel Goleman, um, where he says that empathy represents the foundation skill for all the social competencies important for work. So now we're thinking about the future. Every interaction that a child is going to engage in as they're an adult, is going to rely upon empathy. That's huge. And that's also the foundation of the PYP in building relationships. So what's something we can do to help kids practice empathy and care for others? So here are, um, here's a sub skill um, that, I'm sorry, here's not the sub skill. That's practice empathy and care for others. Here's something that a teacher can do to help a child understand empathy and care for others. Provide explicit opportunities for students to practice and develop these skills. All right, so the question I'm gonna ask you is, are we giving time to explicitly teach empathy to our students? Do we allow time for students to engage in learning scenarios that explore on how to show empathy? Because without some help, they're not gonna know. And if we're looking at, you know, teaching empathy for the first time, I'd probably be using the language of the learner profile attributes to help scaffold the process. I'd have students use the attributes to just, you know, uh, to describe how they're showing empathy. And this will be a lot easier than asking them to just reflect on how they showed empathy to someone else. It's a little bit more tangible. So another way that we can get students to support them to um, show empathy is provide opportunities for students to reflect on their social skills. So how often are we getting students to reflect on learning, you know, the social situations during the day? You know, is this... I'm thinking of, you know, as we're going through and we're looking at empathy... Are we having children reflect on that? Because this is how we grow into understanding of how how to use empathy and, you know, how to use certain um, social skills in uncertain situations. And some of the greatest learning opportunities in my life have been when I've sat back and I think about a situation. So for instance, I'll just give you a very simple. So I text a friend. She doesn't respond back. I'm ask, why is that person not answering my text? Could I have done something to hurt their feelings? You know, and then I'll sit back and think about our prior interactions to see where, you know, I might have not been empathetic or kind. And then once I've potentially zoom into a situation, I'm able to go back to them with a specific thing to talk about. And I'm usually 95% correct. 
And this is how we get better at interacting with each other that we care about in social contexts. So are we giving the opportunity for children to reflect on their behavior, on the ways they've showed empathy, where they could show empathy um, in order to make this happen? So another sub-skill that we're going to focus in on is listening closely to others' perspectives and to instructions. You know, I remember clearly in teacher's college, they taught us the difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is the simple act of hearing information coming at us. Listening, though, is the active participation of receiving those ideas and giving them value. Simply put, it means us being curious in the conversation. And you know when people are not listening to you. I can't stand it when people start, you're having a conversation and they get on their phone or their computer because they stopped listening. And that sends a clear message that what you have to say is not important. So how are we engaging our learners to be actively engaged in listening and developing their curiosity? So one possible way um, is offer students opportunities to see that other people with their differences can also be right. So how does that apply to this piece here of listening closely to other people's perspectives and instructions? Well, one way that might be is that you pose a variety of questions. Remember back in confession number four, we went into asking the right questions. If you need a refresher, go back there. Remember, posing deep questions allows students to answer based on their unique perspectives. And to keep listeners engaged in this process, have them write down key points. Provide question stems that they can ask in return. After the discussion or the engagement, have learners defend you know, the answer choices to their partners. Have them describe the differences in their thinking. The ultimate goal is to get learners to see that multiple perspectives is a healthy thing because it broadens our understanding of the world. And by deepening our listening skills, we can learn to pick up social cues within conversations as well. Interesting, right? I love this stuff. So another possibility is look at reflect and feedback on different interactions they may observe. So how is that connected to building perspective and, you know, following directions? Well, I think the next step in the process of actively listening is reflecting on the process. This is so crucial in developing confident listeners and identifying possible misconceptions along the way. How does your schedule allow for regular reflection of the learning process to happen? If it doesn't, where can you possibly take some time to incorporate it into your practice? Because this isn't happening enough. All right, let's pivot now to another sub-skill, which is advocate for one's own rights and needs and those of others. Now, this is a biggie. Because when we're th- learning social skills, we tend to bumble and violate a lot of cultural norms. I know I have um, as I'm engaging with other people, subcultures. This is normal, but it's also awkward. I don't know if you feel that way. But so how do we get our learners to manage these situations with grace so they don't repeat them 
And, you know, they're not offending people in the process. So one way I see a lot of bumbling is when we're trying to advocate for the right of ourselves and others. If done, you know, without careful thought, it often comes off as rude, disruptive, and inappropriate. We want our children, you know, in our classrooms to be able to advocate for their needs as well as for those of others. But what are we doing to help them to learn, you know, an appropriate way? So that they're still getting what they want, but they're not um, causing massive disruption all the time. So here's a possibility. Use the language of the learner profile in conversations and discussions and in the development of the essential agreements. So one possibility is using the language of the learner profile to scaffold the process. Model the learner profile attributes throughout the day to make requests and redirect student behavior. Because this is right here going to be within the moment. It's going to demonstrate a variety of ways to look at these social cues of how do we operate, how do we advocate, but in a proper way. This is so important because as we're modeling, then the students will be able to, and it has to be repetitive, right? And they'll pick it up and start making connections. Oh, so this is how I'm supposed to act when I'm trying to advocate. I do these cues so that it's appropriate. And they need to have those aha moments on their own without you because it's just information then. And then another way is creating essential agreements with the learner profile attributes. Because remember, that sets the tone of behavior and social skill development within the classroom. And by co-constructing them with our learners, they're going to obviously take more ownership of the process. And when they make mistakes, because they're going to, we're human, they're going to more readily accept the consequence because they help design it. The learner profile attributes are more than a list of character traits. Please use them beyond because they're more ways that we govern our lives so that we're more open to the ways of the thinking of others. If we use them to develop social skills, it's going to be easier to support, you know, that development of international mindedness within our school community. That's a lot. So I'm going to leave you now and I'm going to apply all these ideas um, with our specialists and supporting teachers. I hope to see you in the next episode and have a wonderful day.